to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So, let's live our best lives, one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We're so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you today, Sherry? I am great. Anything new going on with you? No, I feel like the whole world is sick. I had. I am plans. not sick. Well, I'm perfectly well. Everybody in my world is sick. Okay, I we're plans. healthy. Chad and I are healthy. Do you guys remember we had Shari Franklin on a couple of maybe two months ago or so, and she had the "What I Need You to Know" book. Yes. Okay. Well, I love the book, and I bought copies for my husband's nieces. He has four, and they're all young moms and wives, partners. They're all in their twenties. And so I bought them each a copy of the book and I just wanted them to have it. Two of them are expecting right now. I messaged them all and said, Hey, let's get together for dinner. I've got a little something for you guys. And we had it set up for tonight and they are dropping like flies. We've had to reschedule it. We've got the US RSV. We've got Uh other stuff going on. Then my bonus daughter, Avery, she is mono. Oh, no. Yes. She turned 10 on Friday and woke up Monday morning with a fever. She called Eric at 2 o'clock in the morning to let him know she had a fever. Oh, God. oh that's <laughs> nice. You know, mono, I never had mono, but Will had it in in 2020 during the pandemic. So you can see he really stayed home well. <laughs> He caught mono during, during the, it was like March of 2020, oh April, yeah. he comes home with, he came over and he, Will never has ever one time asked to go to the doctor. He, and one he time asked, he like cut his arm so bad that he needed like stitches and he's like, we'll just put a bandaid on this. I'm like, no, we're going to go get stitches. My but, son did that with duct tape. He just uh, duct yeah, that, that sounds like Will, but he was so sick with mono. He's like, something is very wrong with me. I need to go to the doctor. So mono is bad. miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Yeah. When I had it, I was also pregnant. I was probably 10 days into it. And I thought, you know, I think I finally feel well enough to go out to dinner. And we went to Chili's. And by the time we drove there and I ordered my food, I was so exhausted. I couldn't sit upright in Uh, the booth. I had to lay down in the booth and wait for my food to come. (laughs) (laughs) It was awful. But anyway. Well, I'm sorry everybody around you is sick. We're going to stay healthy over here in South Carolina. Yeah. (laughs) Chad and I are planning to stay healthy. (laughs) Keep the bugs here. Yeah, keep them there. (laughs) Well, today we have a good news story, shout out, and listener-led lesson all rolled into one contribution from a listener named Kathleen. She said, my dad passed away last November at almost 92 years young. He donated his body to the Ohio University College of Medicine for use by medical students. And this past weekend, our family attended a ceremony to honor all of the 2021 to 2022 donors. Students and faculty from the Colleges of Dentistry, Anatomy, and Medicine expressed their profound thanks to the families for the valuable gift our loved ones were providing them. 
We heard many times how our loved ones were both their first patients as well as their most valuable teachers. Each donor's name was read, and some had provided pictures with a brief statement that was projected in a slideshow. There were approximately 250 donors honored. One student mentioned that she had friends at other universities that did not have a donor program like this, and therefore they did not gain the additional experience and advantage that an actual human body could provide. Listening to their stories and thanks for the opportunity our loved one was providing convinced me this is what I will also do. I'd like to encourage others to look for similar programs in their areas. So much can be learned from our bodies that can educate our future physicians and the knowledge gained is invaluable. I'd also like to share that the evening my father passed, it was students from the Ohio State University program who picked him up. They were so respectful and caring and allowed us the time we needed to say goodbye. They asked if he was a veteran, which he was, and they draped a flag over him as they carried him from the home. My dad will teach the students for approximately two years, and then he will be returned to us. Love the podcast. Wow, Kathleen, thank you for sharing that. And thank you to your dad for donating his body to science like that. I never thought about doing that. You know, I always, obviously, I'm an organ donor. I bet you're an organ donor, too. Uh We know what we went and got our new driver's licenses in South Carolina. I'm like, yes, we're all organ donors. But I never thought of donating my body to science. It really is invaluable experience. I never thought of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know about it just because I've worked at university hospitals for so long. But yeah, it's not something most people think of. I don't know. I might be weird. I'm not that tied to my body after I'm dead. Do whatever you want. I'm not either. My mother is in a strange way. She's like very tied to what happens to her physical body. And I am not. I want cremation anyways. So you might as well do what you need to do to learn something before. I mean... I'm a teacher. I believe the body is just the vessel of where my soul right. is right now. I'm not. <laughs> once I'm out of it, do what you want. Is your I'm mom like, very vain? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought of when you said she's worried about it. I'm like, this well, is a woman who's really concerned with her looks. I bet. Well, I'm and how people see either. her. Well, well, no, no. Oh Lord, no. She's never been concerned about how people see her. In fact, that was actually the hardest. I mean, her part. physical self, right? She, well, she well, she was a dance teacher, so she okay. cared a lot about her physical appearance until later in life, when you know, after all those years of caring so much, she's like, "Forget it, I'm done now." And then she just is like, "I don't even care." Oh, okay. <laughs> but she doesn't really care what people think about her. But she was interested in how she looked. That because that she you know, she's the one who taught me that if your thighs looked a certain way, you should right. Go out in public and let people see them. Right. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about the companies that make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And today, once again, I want to talk about jenstevens.com slash cleanish. I feel like this is all I talk about because it's just really what is on my mind. So many people read cleanish when it first came out and they might have been a little overwhelmed. So I would like to encourage you, we're coming up to the end of the year. You know, we're winding down 2021. Maybe you have cleanish on your shelf and you picked it up and you did a little bit with it. Then you're like, no, I can't. This is too overwhelming. Or maybe you haven't even read it yet. You weren't even interested in it. You're like, I can't do that. I would like for you to really think about 
picking up a copy of Cleanish or pulling it down off of the shelf, thinking about how you can make positive changes in your life. They don't have to be hard. You know, it's, it's really easy for us. We use Green Chef. We use Daily Harvest to get organic nutrients into our bodies in an easy, easy way. They just come straight to the home. Chad's drinking his dry farm wines. I'm drinking a lot less wine these days. And, you know, Beauty Counter, Sherry and I both love it. It's a clean beauty line. You know, my shampoo, my conditioner, my makeup, my skincare, and also Branch Basics as a part of, you know, how I clean my house, how I do my laundry. All of those products are featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish, but you do not have to use those products. Those are just examples. It's really easy. There are things in your local store that you can find. You can use the Environmental Working Group app to find products that are safe for you. But I would like to encourage you to let 2023, can you believe it's almost 2023, Sherry? I know. Let 2023 be the year that you really become empowered, if you haven't already, to make the changes in your life. They're not hard. Would you say that's true, Sherry? I would say that's true. Every it, little change makes a difference. You just have to pick one little thing. Yeah. Pick one thing to change. I started with some skincare. I changed to like, and then I moved on to like my cleaning products and then... I moved on to my cookware. So it's just a little bit here and there. Yep. And what feels easy, do that. And don't let it feel daunting. So go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish. If you haven't read cleanish yet, I think it's a great time to go ahead and do it. If you haven't, get it out. Go back through it step by step, piece by piece, whatever you're ready for. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are joined by Devin Fredrickson. Devin is a survivor who has come back from near-death experiences and traumatic injuries, determined to live his best life full of vitality. Devin is passionate about working with others to help them live more confident, inspired, and connected lives where they can thrive. Welcome, Devin. Thank you so much, Sherry. It's so good to be here. And before we get into your background and your story and the lesson you're going to share, what is the main lesson you would like to share with our listeners today? The main lesson that I would like to share is... After coming back from these near-death experiences and having these traumatic injuries, what I've been shown over and over is that it's a gift to be alive. And the times in my life where I forget about that, I always come back to this lesson, is that I've made it this far. I'm still here. And if I'm still here, one, there's so much gratitude to have for being here with all the things that we've all made it through, all the challenges. And number two, to celebrate that and to give and to show up and to live that life with gratitude because I'm alive. I've read a lot about near-death experiences. I think I first became interested in the topic when I was, I don't know, I was a child. I was at my grandparents' house. They had a Reader's Digest lying around. (laughs) You remember Reader's Digest? Oh, yeah. And it had like an article about near-death experiences. I was like, wow. But ever since then, when I've, I've read about them, what you just said comes through. You come back from that with a renewed appreciation for life and you lose the fear of death completely. And instead you realize that life is to be cherished and that you change your purpose. Would Mm -hmm. you say that that's true? That's very real because the trajectory I was on, I was going to be getting my engineering degree, was going to be trying to go down the path of what they say of do all of these things, get all of these boxes checked off, right. and then you will have happiness. You will find Success. all of these things. Yeah, all of this stuff. And what I realized at that time is I was not actually engaged. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled with what I was actually studying, with what I was spending all of my time around. And 
I quickly realized, okay, hold on. I have to do a deep overhaul and look at my life and what's actually true to me. And that's what it helped me do. It really helped me. And I didn't, I didn't change too much. I still was in the engineering track. I just changed my focus to energy and climate change. And an interesting piece that I've realized as time has gone on, I still work and I'm a consultant and I help people with regenerative designs and plans to help them set up water systems, energy systems, food systems, whatever it may be. And I also work with people in the realms of energetics, with the realms of inner healing and relationships and trauma and all of the other things. And across the board, it's all energy. So I had a little shift, but it touches on all of the same things. And and I can say now that I live such a happy and fulfilled life. And I can look at other people's trajectories and paths. And I'm like, if I had stayed with that, I would not be happy. Right. It really is all energy. I just went to we a conference. We talk about that a lot. Well, last week I saw Joe Dispenza in person for the first time. Amazing. It is. Now I'm doing a deeper dive into all of his work. You know, yes. obviously I had, you know, the biology of belief, but wait, biology of belief. Is that Bruce Lipton or... Yeah. That's Bruce Lipton. Bruce yeah. Lipton is biology of belief. You are the placebo is Joe Dispenza. Yes. Got that stuff. They're very similar as far as what they promote, but I'm reading Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself right now. Mm-hmm. So it really is all energy. And Tony Robbins talks about this too. I work a lot in the realms of vitality. So to me, at the core of vitality is energy. And the clients that I have, the men and the female clients that I have, so many of them come to me and they're wanting to address one thing and just quick fix it and just be like, I got to get it. And so much is it coming from the mind. However, most of these pieces can't be accessed through the mind. And most of them are actually stuck energy in the body. And if we actually can change the energy or help move it, it changes so much. And same with Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins like pumps people up and excites people and gets all that energy infused into them and it shifts. And there's so many other people. I love Joe Dispenza's work. It really it changed my mom's life and it's really helped her. His work has really helped her. And I've been around so many people who've been with Dispenza and so many other teachers and mentors of mine. And it's that's so much of the work that I do. What does vitality mean to you? I love vitality because to me, vitality, the definition of vitality is the, the thriving ability to create life in a procreative sense. But to me, in a larger context picture, vitality is a wholesome being. The energy is thriving. The energy is fully online. Like my emotional health, my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health, my relationships, my connection to nature, all of these things are all together and supporting the health of me and that thriving energy inside me. Would it be safe to say that people suffering from burnout, that's like the opposite end of the spectrum from vitality, right? Burnout burnout? is what a lot of people come to me with and they're dealing with burnout like we were talking about earlier, success, right? Like this one new client of mine, he's a billionaire, but he does not have vitality. He is not happy in his relationship. Their marriage is on the rocks, doesn't have time with his children and doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And that bur- then he's hit a huge wall of burnout. And so, yes, you're absolutely correct. Burnout is literally the name, like there is no energy there. It's burnt out, yeah. it's used up, it's right. dried up. So what is causing so much burnout 
now. I mean, it's we would all admit or agree that there's more burnout now than there was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's like getting worse. Yeah. This is a deep rabbit hole because for me, I have studied so many different things like studying engineering, which then got me into studying permaculture and food and how important food is in our life and how we've lost drastic precious minerals in the soil from the monocrop and large-scale industrial agricultural practices. So now we have less nutrients in the food that people are eating. So people have to eat more, which is more stress on the body. That's one thing. Then we have water. Then we have the living environments that we live in, and we are exposed to more environmental toxins than we ever have in the history. And so so modernization and culture is leading to burnout. Yes. In a nutshell. It's it's in a nutshell. It's very intense to watch because I was talking with a friend about this yesterday and asking, why do not more people ask the question, why is vitality or our health the forefront of what is being perpetuated on a mainstream level, on industrial level, on policy level, governmental level? Why is that not the focus? To me, it makes sense. We would want healthy humans to create healthy future. All all of these pieces, yet, as we were talking with our, on the summit, Jim, talking about intermittent fasting and all of this, like, wait, why aren't we taught this stuff? Why aren't we engaged and brought into a deeper conversation with our own health and all that's, yeah, I could go on and on and on. So it's very real. (laughs) Well, because, you know, the idea that it's food, it's real food, you know, we could go down the rabbit hole of subsidized crops and why we have all these you know, mono crops, right? It's, it has to do with where the money is and, and what people are paid to farm and the way that they just want to increase the yield. I talked about this in my book, Cleanish. And, you know, as yield goes up, nutrients go down. Yeah. And also as yield goes up, toxins go up because they are putting more things on the crops to help them have more yield. It's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, it really is. And It's the same thing across the board. If people are trying to increase profits, most of the time, they're trying to cut costs. And so it's the same thing. We increase the yield, but either toxicity goes up or the quality goes down. So whatever that is across the board, whether that's relationships, whether that's profit in business, whether that's food, whether that's water, like this theme of trying to get more with less. And I totally understand that. Because that's what we try to do within engineering systems and then in a whole other design system within permaculture, which is really about helping humans come back into connection with nature and not take away all of these things, but just do it with more of a health-centric, vitality-centric sense. There's still this attempt to be efficient. So I think at the end of the day, Patagonia did this recently. I don't know if you saw what Patagonia did, but they now, they're doing something about like, They created it. They're a for-purpose company now. And now all of their shareholders is like, it's the earth. There are no other shareholders. So they take their their revenue and they distribute it to make sure to reinvest it back in the company. And then the rest of the profit is going back to regeneration and restoration of the earth and the natural systems. Is that the same thing as, for some reason, I think it's type B corporation. Is that... Is it's, that the same it's, thing? Similar? It's definitely different than a type B because type B is definitely 
it's in that line, but Patagonia has mm-hmm. taken it even a it, step further step. because yeah. they're like, hey, there is nothing that is is at this level. And so they're right. like, we have to create it. And uh, so okay. I think that that's really why I'm so focused in the path and the work that I do is because I don't see these things being done. And so we have the gift. This is the beautiful thing with creation and creative energy is we can channel that into these things. Oh, I don't see that being done. Wow, that's a beautiful opportunity to provide that. Like our listeners, I think it's important for them to like really stop and think like in order for profit to occur, there is a cost somewhere, right? Somebody's paying the cost for these companies to thrive and, you know, make millions and billions of dollars or whatever, right? There's a cost and the consumer is paying that cost, maybe not financially, but it could be with their health. If you are working for a company that doesn't value you, you're paying for it with stress and lack of sleep and your health eventually. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important that we really stop and think like, how are we contributing that is not helping us that's helping, you know, that's helping somebody else. It's kind of a boundaries thing, right? Exactly. This is like, definitely a boundary. I'm thing. not going to support you because it's costing me in some way. And then and sometimes the cost is not stance. always apparent. Right. You know, like like you know, like like my husband Chad, Sherry knows Chad. And I love him, but he really focuses on the actual cost you're paying right at the grocery store, right? He's like, yeah. I don't want to buy organic butter. It's really expensive. I want to buy this cheap butter. And I'm like, wrong. <laughs> it is. It might be more expensive today to buy the yeah. organic butter, but down the road, we're going to pay for it with our health. And that's just one example. And so, you know, we can cut costs today, but down the road when we're, we have more illness, we're going to have to deal with it. And it's so like trying people, to- people who say it costs too much to eat healthy. Right. Well, you may not be paying as much now, but <laughs> D- down the road in yeah. insurance costs and copays and doctor's visits and, you know, prescription medication or surgeries or whatever, you're going to pay that cost at some point or in loss of life, right. loss of years of life. Exactly. And and loss of quality of life. Yes. Right. Because there might, the concept might be, I'm not paying as much now, but down the road, if I can't walk, if I can't get around as easily, if I can't, mm-hmm do the things that I want to do where in my mindset, I'm like, oh, I'm saving now so I can do this later, but then I can't do that later. Because you're sitting in dialysis. Exactly. Yeah. Or (laughs) you've lost mobility or, you know, whatever reason. There's so much to it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that thinking, that paradigm is still very much around. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's definitely shifting. And that's what's beautiful is individuals like yourselves and people who are helping others and bringing this conversation to the forefront, there are more people doing that. And it's great. And there's still so much of that old story of we need to buy the cheapest thing because, I mean, people went through the the Great Depression. Right. And that was a challenging time. And there's still a lot of those individuals who are either running or have created the policy and have these overarching systems that are still, in a sense, instilling this there are shifts, like there are corporate budgets now for wellness and well-being of their employees. So it's shifting and there's still a lot of opportunity for us to make changes. 
And I also think we can tell that that the tide is turning to some degree just by watching the shift of products that are available. Exactly. You know, in my book, Cleanish, I talk about how when my son, Will, he's 23 now. So 20 years ago, we, we had to clean up what we were feeding him. Um, his behavior was impacted by chemicals. He had a lot of chemical sensitivities. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to find anything at a regular <laughs> grocery store. We lived in Carrollton, Georgia. We had a Kroger. We had a Walmart. We had a Publix. I mean, that was it. We didn't have any healthy. You couldn't get these things at a, at a regular grocery store. But now I can go to Walmart and find organic things, organic cream. And we had to drive over an hour to get to Atlanta to go to a Whole Foods to find the things that we needed. Wow. But you know, consumers are demanding safer products and cleaner products and better food. And so it, it's good to see that happen, just how much change has occurred in 20 years. We're coming back to it. Yeah. One thing that I also have been reminded, and one of the beautiful gifts that at least for me came out of the whole pandemic time is I was standing out at the ocean and Maui was a interesting perspective to experience because I have never experienced the island like I had during the pandemic time. It was Without so the tourists. quiet. Yeah, yeah there were no yeah. tourists. Like the beaches were empty. So I was standing out at the beach one time and I was having a really hard moment of like, what is going on? What is this? Why is health not being perpetuated in the world? All of these systems. And a message just came to me, whether it was the ocean, the earth, whatever it may be. It just said, trust in the pace of nature and move at the pace of nature. The pace of nature is happening. So like you said, 20 years ago, it may not have been there, but the more requests that have happened, the more seeds that get planted, the more that people communicate about this, it grows and grows. And now I've experienced it as well. I've gone to so many different places and I'm like, wow, this is available here. That's so great that people have access to this now. Right, right. Let's talk about burnout. What's somebody's first step to overcoming burnout? First step to overcoming burnout is really acknowledging and like taking a moment to address and feel that you have gotten to burnout. So realizing you have a problem. Yeah, because if people don't really say, I don't want to experience this anymore, I want to change this, they'll just kind of keep on going. And then the burnout frazzles everything and just completely short circuits it all, which then requires deeper intervention. So Once one sees that they're at burnout, acknowledging that you're there and like really feel the burnout in the body and feel the lack of energy, feel how difficult it is to get up in the morning, feel how you don't have the energy to maybe do the things that you did before, maybe go out on a date, whatever that may be like with your significant other or not. Like there's so many pieces that people kind of give up, even though they're small, they just kind of erode away over time with burnout. And then when they really- So much. Yeah. I just watched my husband go through this. He had a job that was a toxic workplace and he hated working there and he worked there for a long time. And so I just, you know, convinced him to retire early and whisked him away (laughs) to the coast. And I'm watching him come back alive. Mm. Watching you. We walked on the beach yesterday and watching him rediscover- Joy, passions, joy. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. He lost all of that. You know, he, when you were just talking about burnout, that's all I could think of was, you know, Chad and those years and it impacted every relationship he had yeah. and every waking moment. Do you know, I think people don't know they're burned out. Yeah, I think you're right. Right. 
because yeah. they're so busy just, you know, following their schedule. This is what I have mm-hmm. to do today. And yeah. you're just so busy going through getting everything done that you think you have to get done, right? Mm-hmm. That you don't really stop to think like, why am I doing this? Does mm-hmm. this bring me joy? You're in survival Is mode. Is this helping my family? It's exactly right. You're just in survival mode. You're just getting through. It's really intense, actually. The people within Chinese medicine and a lot of Eastern medicinal perspectives say that most of at least the US or the West is burned out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when we go into the, the physical systems within our body, not without going too deep, like our adrenal glands, like deal with that regeneration. We have, then this is the beautiful thing. This is what I love from studying regenerative agriculture and how to really create nutrient rich foods and healthy soil and all of this how that goes back into us. And it's just a loop. We have, our body has the capacity to regenerate. Just like you were talking with Chad, Jim, like even if we have gone through burnout or if we get to a stage where we're realizing, oh my gosh, I've gotten this far, we still can regenerate. We can come back from that and reinvigorate ourselves with it, which is why I love this work is because just even if you're in that space, you still can reclaim it. It may take some time. It may take a big investment of energy, of focus, and it's very possible as you are watching yourself and experiencing. It's yeah. true. We are big advocates for self-care yeah. because I just feel like too many people don't make time for it, right? Mm-hmm. And we did a whole episode on it and so many people wrote to us and told us they feel guilty if they take Mm -hmm. time for self-care. They don't know where to make time for self-care, right? And so that, I mean, that was really eye-opening how many people just are not even taking care of their basic needs, right? Because everybody needs time to decompress and to do something that connects you with nature or makes you feel good or Mm -hmm. releases stress or, you know, we all need that. That's like a physiological need, Right. But so many people aren't taking time for that because they don't think they can. And I was just thinking while you were talking, you know, you can call out sick to work. Right. At my Mm -hmm. work, if you're gone for more than two days, you have to doctor's note. Yeah. What if you just need a mental health day? Right. (laughs) How many people can't take a mental health day? How do I go to my doctor and say I called out sick for two days because I just couldn't do it and I needed some downtime? They can't write you a doctor's note for a mental health day. You know what I mean? We've designed our (laughs) culture where you can't take downtime without being punished. Yep. And that is like, it's just awful. I mean, like, I think we have to start asking for more from our employers and even our families. You know, I think women need to be able to say, hey, I'm taking this week off. Y'all have to fend for yourself. Like, I need some downtime. Well, I have a thing called truth bumps. I call them truth bumps or spirit bumps, not goosebumps. Because okay. to me, when, when I hear something that resonates very true, like my whole body was just lit up. We were talking about energy earlier. I felt like my whole body was getting flushed and almost starting to sweat because of how deeply I resonate with what you shared. And let's, the first things first, let's talk about women. The fact that women do not have something set up within your cycle of bleeding to have that acknowledged rather than, no, you need to push past this and you need to show up for work. The fact that that doesn't have some sort of policy institutionalization of like, 
if you need time off, there's no questions asked. Like this is something that helps you to regenerate. Like it takes well, a lot of energy. Our bodies are literally doing something huge once a month. Huge. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that that is not looked at is a big indicator mm-hmm. across the board. And, and this is very much like you said, this is a cultural thing where there is, like you said, the people who have felt shame and guilt for taking time for themselves when what that does is that actually helps us come back more vitalized. Right, right, exactly. More ready to actually do more work rather than, oh, I'm just going to get it. And people are dragging their feet, their heads are down, and they're actually not as productive. Right, well, they're at work punching the clock and that's what they're doing, right? It's they're not, culture though. We're rewarded yeah. for pushing through. You know, Nike says, just do it. Just you do know, it. the culture of working out is if it doesn't hurt, it isn't worth it, right? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, I try to change that conversation with my work and I have a saying, we say, tweak it till it's easy, not mm. push it till it hurts. You know, we want it, We want, life should feel easy and good and you shouldn't enjoy right. it. Yes, we need to get back to that. I saw something on Instagram just the other day and it like really was sad. It was like a young girl had written something and it was like, I was flipping through it and it was talking about how she'd never seen women relax. Like any of the women in her life never relaxed. And I'm like, well, I must be unusual because I'm a really good relaxer. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, this that, is- that just hit me. Women are not relaxing. So we're getting into very interesting territory because like I said, I work with a lot of men and women in the relation space in helping them navigate relationship challenges, build deeper connection and all of that. And this concept of relaxing, there's so much of a spotlight on gender roles. There's so much of a spotlight on what we say is right and wrong. And there's a reason from my perspective, there's a reason why we look at so many different cultures that have the male energy focused in one way and the female energy focused in another way. Like as men, we don't give birth. Right. There's even conversation on a larger scale these days that attacks this, but like, I don't have a biological capacity to give birth. Right. I have such a different energy than my partner. Mm -hmm. Like what she does is so different than me. And I don't expect her to do that, but it's almost like, the larger society and context is trying to put everyone in that same box of like, just push through it and everyone is going to do the same thing. And if you have a mental day that you need, you have to push through that. And if you're not, if you aren't eating healthy food and it's not good, you just need to push through that. When actually, if we were to focus on health, ourself, focus on the health of what were our, the work environments, all of that, that would ripple out and create so much more health across the board. And, you know, what you just said, the the energy, the masculine energy, the feminine energy, you know, my husband and I are very different. We, yes. we have different energy. We have, we complement one another though. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I was trying to have this conversation with our 23 year old son and <laughs> his girlfriend right now is not complimenting him very well. They both have the same weaknesses. I'm like, you got to find somebody who has strengths that help you with your weaknesses anyway. Yes. <laughs> But I've got more feminine energy and Chad has more masculine energy. That doesn't say that I don't have any masculinity or he has no femininity, right? But that we each bring something different to the table and it's okay to acknowledge that. Well, do you know, so here's what happened. This is my theory. Gender roles got skewed, right? Because women went to work. So women were the homemakers. They were the wives, the mothers, and their job was to be household managers, right? They managed Mm -hmm. the family. 
They managed the food, where it came from, when it appeared on the table, right? But then they went to work. Yep. And now they do the job that the men do, but they also are the household managers. Yep. <laughs> there are some wonderful men out there that take on these roles, but unfortunately, men didn't have to change. They didn't have to put a different hat on, right? They've always just gone to work and been the breadwinner and supported their families, right? Their hat didn't change. Yeah. Women are wearing two hats. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough days in the week. There's not enough hours in the day. And women notoriously don't ask for help. You right? remember that commercial from the 70s? I can bring home the bacon. I can fry it up in the pan. And that is what we promoted <laughs> as a culture, right? And that was what we were like, we can That's do it all. And never let you forget you're a man. That was the next tagline. Right. <laughs> yes. Really? Wow. Do you remember that, Devin? You're, have He's you ever seen young. that? I know you're too <laughs> young, but have you ever I, seen it? It was, was a commercial. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It was a commercial for, I think it was like cologne or perfume, right, Sherry? Was it Something perfume? like that, yes. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never let you forget you're a man. It was basically women were instructed. This is what we grew up singing. I was a little mm -hmm. girl growing up singing, I can do everything. I can do everything. I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and to be the wife. And, and be an amazing wife, right? right. Yeah, and, and but, I do all of these other things. Like, <laughs> right? wait, hold on. Where is, the, like, again, this topic, where is the time for me? Exactly. Like, all, right. I have to do all these other things. Now, I see that so much when women come to me with their challenges is like, mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, you, you it's okay to be a woman. Like you don't have to do all of that. It's right. not actually, and I know, and a lot of people actually attack this in this modern age. Like there's a lot of conversation about this and controversy and challenges, but at the end of the day, what you're saying is very true. We were, men and women were put into the same box and it's like, all right, now you do that. Everyone goes to work. Everyone does this it's interesting because it's almost broken up the home. Like the, I, right. I remember in college talking about this in one of my sociology classes, talking about how the nuclear family has really been broken up where there was like that matriarch is such a grounding space to, for the family. Like I'm so grateful because one, my mom taught me how to cook. My mom was like, you need to know how to cook. If you want to have a woman in your life, because she saw, she did, she went through the same thing. She's like, wait, I'm having to work and cook and like, wait, what was that? So she thankfully did that. And, and now one of my roles that I do and receive finances for is I'm a private chef and I'm, I'm going to cook for 36 people for six days in like a week and a half. So it's turned into something that's been really good. And I also have the capacity to help. And it was instilled in me to help and to right. partake in the home. But I know a lot of that kind of has gone away. And yes, if someone wants to work, great. There, there needs to be a conversation around what are the expectations. Like if the man is wearing this hat of like, I'm working and you have to do all of that. And the woman in the relationship may choose and wants to, because that's her passion and her desire. There's just has to be a deep conversation around, Hey, responsibilities. To, balance to this. Right, yeah, right. What are our boundaries? We were mm -hmm. talking about that earlier. Like mm -hmm. This is not all on you. And I right. think a lot of times that's not happening. And like you were saying, Sherry, sometimes women can have a challenge and there is a huge asterisk, men as well. I think both sides. I think so too. Both sides, especially in modern culture with the just do it energy that we were referencing of Nike and just all of this, 
is like, well, you just do it. Yeah. Right. You don't ask for help, but actually asking for help is such a sign of strength because it's saying I need help so I can still do all of these other things. It's being authentic right. to yourself because, yes. you know, pretending you have, have it all together when you don't, <laughs> you know, it, it falls apart eventually. There's that burnout again. That so you come. work with men and you work with couples and relationships. If a woman wanted to go to her man and say, I need help, right? But they're not good at that. What does that conversation look like to you? So it looks like first one being authentic, like you were saying, Jim, being authentic and vulnerable and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, this is actually really challenging for me to share this. Do you think I could really have your presence? Do you think I could have your attention right now so I can share this? Because this is it feels really difficult or hard or whatever that is. So first, just creating that boundary of, hey, this is hard for me. And I want to share this. And then number two, share it. I know it's really hard. I know it can be really challenging. Maybe what you can do is you can go and talk to a woman in your life and talk and express how you want to say it. So that way, if you haven't done that with a man yet or with your partner or husband or whatever it may be, so you can get that out. Rehearse it. it. Yeah. Rehearse Mm -hmm. it. Exactly. I think that's, that's important. Yeah. I have realized and learned over the past few years what happens when someone holds something in for decades. Because I, oh. I learned right around 2019 that Chad had held some grudges about some things from when the boys were little. And I was just being the mom and doing what I did and making decisions. And he didn't feel like he was part of things. I think probably mm. a lot of husbands feel that way and maybe don't say it. I'm not really sure. He never mentioned it for 20 years. And then all of a sudden there it was. <laughs> But letting things build up when you're frustrated, whether you're the husband or the wife or the, you know, the, the part, whatever partner in the relationship, yeah. that's never a good thing. Go ahead and, and say what you're thinking. And well, you're like feeling. Devin said, that causes a breakdown in relationships. It yeah. It really does. It's I had a, no idea. Right. It's a small fire that just yeah. smolders on the yeah. inside. And that's part of what can lead to burnout as well. And and my partner and I just experienced that and we do our best and we communicate. And because we both work in these realms, it's something that we bring forward. And she was so fascinated to be like, wow, that was like right under the surface. And I kept on tuning in, checking in to see what was there, nothing. And then I could really tell by one interaction, I was like, okay, there's something here. Right. And we moved it, but it's just so fascinating. And people haven't been taught that. We weren't really guided to navigate relationships and talking about energy again, the importance of clearing it, it's just like a wound. And I love this because if someone has an infected wound, you don't try to heal it on the surface. You have to clean out the infection. So you have to clear the energy for it to heal. And so that unexpressed grudge or resentment or whatever Chad had turns into things and it can appear in so many different random ways that we're like, wait, where did that come from? What was that? (laughs) Yeah. It has a root to it. And so it's so important for us to remember this in relationship that when we express these things, one, this is why I'm working with men, to make sure that men are providing safe spaces first off for themselves, that they feel safe with themselves. And then we're providing that safe space for the women and our community around us. So I'm working to do that. I've got a big mission focused on that. And that's why I also work with women to provide a safe space. Like my one client who I just worked with, who had just signed on, she doesn't feel safe with men. It's a big step for her to have me as a support, as a mentor, as a coach, because she's wanting to address it. 
And so she's wanting to do all of this, but it's even challenging for her to go into that space. And so when we can help normalize checking in, keeping the energy clear, and more than anything, it's just like if we're caring for a plant, a relationship is a living being, it's a living entity between two people. And so we have to care for it just as much as if we're caring for a child or we're caring for a plant or we're caring for our home. Like relationships are so critical and we haven't been given as much information around how to really keep those relationships vital. We don't have the tools. Yeah. And it really boils down to communication. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Everything comes back to communication. If you don't have the skills to be vulnerable and honest and communicate with your partner that you have chosen to be with, how can you have meaningful relationships and good communication with all the other people in your life, your coworkers, your family, your neighbors? Yep. So I think everything really does start within and then at home as the core of who we are. Mm-hmm. It's so accurate. And what I love to remind people of is look at the word communicate. We have the root word in there, commune. Yeah. So the whole point in communication is to connect, is to come together, to understand. I'm sharing, we're talking on this podcast and we have an understanding between us with the language of English. And we know what those words mean because we've associated with them. And then we can also connect and talk about that. So that's the first thing with communication is we're connecting. When I come to my partner, I want to connect and be close with her. So when I ask what's going on, rather than, oh, wait, what? You told me that. Like, I'm here to receive that and listen because I want to connect with her. So I want to really receive and have empathy with her to understand what's going on. So at the root of all of it is we want to connect. And then the second one, what I love and one of the reasons why I work so much with people is the skills that we have in relationship and a lot of times an intimate relationship actually have so much widespread application in life. Mm-hmm. But what most people have done, like my one client, what he has done in the realms of business and creating massive success has really no application to his relationship and his marriage and his being a father. Right. And so I'm reminding him, I'm like, hey, bring your focus to your marriage to being a father because he has three daughters. Be there. Like, learn how to do that. And that will amplify how you show up in the workspace. And it's never too late to rebuild, right? Women too. Never too late to rebuild those relationships. Never too late. And sure, there may be times where it's hard. There Mm -hmm. may be times, like, I don't know if that was difficult for you and Chad to come together around that, around, oh, wow, like, someone might ask themselves, why didn't you tell me? Like yeah. there might be a levels of hurt. Right. Of like, You're just I'm now mentioning this. this? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like why have, been, why have I been left out for this time? Right. Like, or, yeah. And, and I'm sure some defensiveness, like, whoa, totally. whoa, whoa, 20 years. Uh-huh. You're just bringing this down on me. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing that I really like to work with people around is when we can learn how to regulate our nervous system and hear that someone said that taking a moment to be like, wow, you have kept that inside for 20 years. That must have that like, for some reason, that was really hard for you to express. Yes. And as hard as that is for me to hear, one way to practice communication with that is like, 
wow, that's really hard for me to hear. It's hurtful. And I imagine that that was really difficult for you. What's going on? Like, why? Because we can actually create so much more, again, connection with communication. And again, it's the tools, like Jane, you're talking about, like the tools to communicate, the tools to navigate all of the defensive energy in my body. Actually, underneath that is, again, desire for connection. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's very, very true. Rather than being like, what? No. No. (laughs) Instead, you're trying to communicate it. Well, we are almost out of time. How can people find you, Devin? So I know that you were mentioning, Sherry, that I work a lot with men and I work with men and women. So I know a lot of the female audience here is I'm grateful to be with all and share. I am on Instagram, Devin Fredrickson, my name, D-E-V-I-N-F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K-S-E-N. That's the best way to find me. I have a team that's creating more platforms, but that's the best way. And for the female listeners or male My website is geared towards men. It's definitely that. And because this is a large female audience, please just reach out to me on Instagram. If there's any insights or questions or things that came up from this, I'd love to hear back or hear on that. So please reach out if you ever feel called to it. And that's definitely the best place to connect with me. Fabulous. I'm going to find you on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being pictures of my cats. (laughs) Yes, my my partner will love that. I will gladly share share with her. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Devin. Thank you, Sherry and Jen. It's been a pleasure. Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. It's a little community, sort of like any social media community, other than it is only members of the Life Lessons VIP community that are there. And that's it. And you'll see Jen and I there, other people. People post things randomly. Some are funny, some are serious. If you don't want to use the community, you don't have to use the community. It's totally optional. We would love to hang out and talk to you there. But if you want to just help support the podcast and ensure that we are able to continue to bring you these life lessons, it's just your way of helping us do that. Each month, we do do a monthly video hangout where we get together and talk online. That's always a great time. And um, we have some new faces that I think are going to show up next week when we do this month's. So hopefully we'll see you guys in November. If you want to join us, go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP. There you choose your monthly membership contribution of either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. You can change your membership contribution at any time or cancel if needed. You control that yourself. So if you truly get value from the podcast, we hope that you would take the time to subscribe to that and hopefully pop in and say hi to us. Yeah, I love I love having those chats, even though the last one was right in the middle of a hurricane. Yeah, <laughs> right. The hurricane had already come by. But <laughs> well, we have a new face in the community. I thought she was new. And then she said she'll be at the next video chat and uh, it'll be her first one. So yay! looking forward to that. I always awesome. love to meet new people. So now it's time for our listener-led lesson. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Lorna. She says, holiday season is coming up, and I really enjoyed your episodes last year on holiday cooking and shopping hacks. As I was listening, I realized that I have quite a few that I've picked up over the years. Each year, I host around 45 people for Thanksgiving. It started with family, but then I started inviting a few coworkers that didn't have family nearby. And now my coworkers all know that there's an open invitation to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner at my house each year. 
When you're preparing meals for that many people, you quickly learn to adopt some time-saving hacks out of necessity. Number one, when cooking large batches of potatoes, you can easily wash them in your dishwasher. Simply throw them on the rack and run a rinse cycle. Same holds true for carrots as well. Number two, don't try to use cookbooks that fall closed that you have to continually reopen. Print off your favorite recipes or photocopy them and put them in a plastic sleeve protector. They can easily be wiped down and reused year after year. Three, never hesitate to make it potluck. Just be sure you have a good balance of people bringing snacks, sides, and desserts. Four, save the good china. It's not worth the stress. They make high-quality-looking plastic throwaways that you can actually hand wash and reuse from year to year. Have a clean sink with hot, soapy water and ask each guest to wash their own plate as they finish eating. Trust me, there are enough dirty dishes from cooking. Nobody should be responsible for washing all the dirty plates as well. And honestly, people like to feel helpful and included, and this will do it. Five, to make your house smell amazing, simmer apple cider in a slow cooker with cinnamon sticks, orange peels, apple rinds, and whole cloves. It serves two purposes, a festive smelling home and a great warm drink to serve to conclude an after-dinner walk or backyard fire pit. Six, as you prepare and warm your food, cover it with foil and keep it warm in a large cooler. Seven, if you know there will be leftovers, tell people to bring their own Tupperware if they want to take some home. This will keep people from needing to return others' dishes. And eight, relax. Nobody is grading you. Holidays are fun. Don't forget that very important tip. It doesn't have to be perfect. And the most memorable holidays usually are not perfect. True. I agree. At the end of each show, we share a favorite quote, story, or poem from a listener. We received this email from Zoraida. And don't forget, if you have a motivational story or quote to share, no matter how big or small, email them to me at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. I really look forward to reading and sharing each and every email that I receive. Zoraida wrote, Hi, Jen and Sherry. Sometimes little pieces of wisdom come at just the right time. Because of the high rate of gastrointestinal cancer in my mom's side of the family, I get checked routinely ever since I lost my mom in 2018 to pancreatic cancer. It always is a little scary, but this time I was having an upper endoscopy done, and I was nervous. I came across this quote from the book, Trusting God Day by Day by Joyce Meyer. I wanted to share this excerpt from the book that really spoke to me. Several years ago, a friend of mine went in for a routine checkup and learned days later that her doctor feared she might have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the most aggressive form of the disease. More tests were needed, and she was told it might take two or three weeks before a confirmed diagnosis could be reached. I asked her how she got through those weeks of uncertainty and if she was afraid. Yes, I was afraid, she said, but I also knew that whatever the outcome was, it would be no surprise to God. Then she said something else that might be of help to you. She told me that she realized if she worried for three weeks and then learned she had lymphoma, she would have wasted three valuable weeks of her life. And if she worried for three weeks and learned she did not have lymphoma, she would have still wasted three valuable weeks of her life. Believe it or not, she said, I didn't lose a minute's sleep for those 21 days. When the test finally came back, my friend learned she did indeed have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. She had surgery and endured many months of chemo. I'm pleased to tell you that 10 years later, she's in terrific health and she didn't waste those three valuable weeks. Zoraida says, point being, trust in God, your higher power, or the universe, or whatever you believe in. For me, it is to trust in God and not waste energy worrying. I read this excerpt at the right moment, and by the way, thankfully, I did get a clean bill of health. 
Don't waste your valuable minutes, days, and weeks. Live each moment with full intent. Thank you for all you do, Zoraida. Oh, I love that. That was for sharing it. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Join us in the Life Lessons VIP community by going to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Your support really does ensure that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we would also love for you to leave a five-star review that helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.